But to a person who goes there and they're a student, and I'm going to use this word, just a student, and then they move on and their career uh, explodes and they do great things in their career and um, they're successful, it's, it's, it is an honor. So it was, a, it was an honor that Shauna was uh, inducted into the, the Hall of Fame. But the night started off with an invocation. Now help me. What is invocation? I mean. And when the person prayed, and I, nothing against this young lady, because I'm sure she was directed. But I don't know if we were praying to the birds, to a tree, to dogs, to cats. I don't know what we prayed to. And if there was anyone that's in here tonight that happened to be present, I'm telling you, it's the truth. I'm like, what was that? Who did we just pray to? Or what did we just pray to? So it's kind of like, oh, whatever. Again, I'm going, we are messed up. We are messed up. <laughs> you look around the school and there's security cameras everywhere. Every day, walking the halls, you have Chris Mary, whose biceps are bigger than my thighs, okay? And I'm thinking, and we, everything's locked down. And we're going to do an invocation. And we don't even know who we prayed to. And all we're doing is praying over our food. So I was thinking, oh, great. And Shauna gets up. It's her turn. And <laughs> Shauna, as she gets up, and she starts walking her way. She's carrying the word of God. I'm like, woohoo, all right. And she gets up there and she said, I'm going to go ahead and open with a scripture. And she read the scripture. And as she read that scripture, everything just changed in that room. Everything changed in the room, which again was the power of God. It was the difference in the Holy Spirit showing up and not showing up. And then Shauna went on to lay out why her life was different, why her life was successful, and at the end, she gave all glory to God. So it was totally, totally awesome. I think people were speechless and didn't know what to do, but there were those that they were like clapping. It was like, yeah. And so as the evening went on, uh, you know, at the end of the night, I, I went up to Sean. I said, <laughs> good job. Yes. And then there was Chase's life. And um, what happens is it goes on all the time. And this is not to, to build him up. And I'll, I'll show you that in just a moment. But people will come up to me and say, how's Chase doing? Is he doing okay? Is he doing well? Because he was, he was liked at school. Not only was he liked, but he was an asset to the teachers there. He was an asset to the administration. And I truly believe that the administration, if there would have been a place, he would have been not plugged in, but been there. And there's not. And there wasn't. And so God had other plans for him and Chase went on. But there's a lady there who is at our school and she's there as, a, as an aide to a student, as a special needs student. And when that student has appointments or 
things going on and she's not at our school, I believe she has to go back to her home school. So then Mr. Rosser gives her things to do, gives her different assignments um, in that school. And so she shared with me the other day and in front of a lot of other educators uh, that I teach with that Mr. Ross, she said, your son, and then she would say, Mr. Rosser, you know, just, he had me doing this, and now he told me, I'm going to put you here, and then they are just so blown away by your son at how young he is, but at the same time, how much wisdom he has. And she just kept going on and on and on. In the meantime, I know that Chase has given me stories and told me stories where he's actually used, when I use the word story, stories out of the Bible. Situations, not stories, not fairy tales, not fables, but actual situation in the Word of God. And he's taken that and applied it to real world situations, school situations. And people are like, oh my gosh, where does he get that wisdom from such a young man. It's godly wisdom. Amen? So I'm not building Chase up. I'm building God up saying it's the godly wisdom that's inside of him that is making him the administrator that he is today. And you know what? Administrators all across the country, that's what they need to be doing. They need to be giving godly wisdom, not their wisdom, not the wisdom that's passed down from from the ODE, the Ohio Department of Education, or whatever educational facility it is. And I believe if that would happen, we'd see definite changes. Definite changes. Amen? So that's where this word comes from. And the title of the message is Simplicity Brings Freedom. And so I have the bullet, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. I know that God's telling me, don't sweat the small stuff. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is found in Christ. And the American Standard Version says, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve and his craftiness, your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity and the purity that is, that is toward Christ. You see, the more and more I think about it, from the time that I've been saved, and then I started teaching and I'm working in our business, I realize that what has happened is we, as a church, we... As the church, we, we truly, really have left the simplicity that's found in Christ Jesus. Because the gospel is simple, it's true, it's powerful. It accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. And we are the ones, we are the ones that get sidetracked. Now, I ask this question. How many of us know what freedom is? How many of us truly know what freedom is? 
Freedom from what, you might say? Freedom, what a, freedom from whatever it is that might have you bound. Tonight, as the word's being preached, you might be bound. You might have an addiction. A lot of times, our minds will go straight to drugs, to smoking, to pornography, to outward things that we might be able to see. But Scripture's real clear to tell us that there are the secret things of the heart that no man can see, but God sees. Amen? But in that, the question I'm asking is, how many of us know what freedom is? You know, and, and I use this, and I've said this before, 1989 is the year that I got saved. The year that I give my life to the Lord. I found out what freedom was. I found out what freedom was. Actually, for the longest time, one of my favorite scriptures was, He who the sun sets free is free indeed. What, is it, what does it feel like? Do you know what it feels like to be set free? I'm serious. Do you really, really, really know what it feels like to be set free from something? I mean, when we pray for Pastor Saeed, when we pray for him, when he is set free, he's going to realize and understand and know what freedom is. And see, I don't think because many times we see other people and sometimes I think about my children, for instance, or, you know, where they've just been raised in church. And that made me think this morning because I saw Benson over there and he's just carrying his little Bible. And so what happens is, one of the words that I'm going to use here in a little while is imitate. That's what he's doing right now. He's imitating. That's not a bad thing. When you see them raising their hands, you might say, oh, that's not a bad thing. They're going to raise their hands to a lot worse things in this world. I can't think of anything better than to see them raising their hands in church. Amen? So if you even see that and you've even thought that in your mind, it's like, oh, really? I mean, look, they're just imitating. It's a good thing to imitate that okay now someday they will have to make it their own but it's a good thing how many of us have experienced freedom in another's life truly how many of us have experienced we've been part of the rippling effect or we've been part of that person's life or they've been part of your life or we've seen it actually happen and take place I'm asking you to ponder those questions as we move through this message. Now, have you seen the bumper sticker, he who dies with the most toys wins? I have. He who dies with the most toys wins. You're looking at someone who, I didn't know that saying back in the, before 1989, but I'll tell you what, I believe that. I hadn't coined that phrase. I didn't see that phrase at that point in time. But I truly believed that. Because you're looking at someone who really didn't have the toys, right? I didn't grow up with the toys, whatever the toys may be. But one thing I knew is I wanted more than I had. And so 
I knew that if I worked hard, I could achieve that. So really what I was doing was buying into the lie that I was, I was pretty self-made. And a lot of men will fall into that. Ladies can too. But I'm sure you've seen that. How many people have seen that, that bumper sticker or seen it somewhere? He who dies with the most toys wins, right? And then, of course, um, I've saw, I, I, I have seen the one that says, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Still dies. And that puts a whole new twist on everything. Because for, for me, <laughs> I can go 56. And I can think, 60? And I can go, oh, my mom died at 74. My father, 76. Woo. Mm. 18 years? 20 years? That's not that far away. Now, we understand that we, we've heard it. We know it. We read it. We all have an appointment with death. We don't know the hour. We don't know the day. But at the same time, it puts a whole new twist on that actual sticker. He who dies with the most toys still dies. See, I believe that many of us have bought into the idea that life consists of, in how, of how much we have. And see, that goes on in the church as outside of the church. And it's part of the church, meaning the church. And it's definitely part of our world. It's what we teach. It's what society drives and puts in your head. Is that right? Amen? It doesn't take long to watch TV to figure that out. It doesn't take long to drive up Maple Avenue, look at the billboards, and see that. It doesn't take long at all. I do know that more is not better. I do know that. And I've shared with, it, with you from the pulpit many times that I fight this. I fight wearing a suit. I like nice clothes. I like nice shoes. I like nice ties. I like my hair done nice. And you don't know the battle that rages inside of me because just because of what I like and what I want, then I feel that others look at me and, and think that I think that I'm here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I also am pretty aggressive. And so my aggressiveness can get myself in trouble because then people think, who does he think he is? Okay? And I don't think I'm anybody. Nobody. Actually, prior to Christ, I'd have told you who I was, okay? I'd have laid it right out. But since Christ is coming to my heart, I know that I'm not spit without God. I know that I'm butt dust. I know that I'm piece of trash. I know that I'm, I know that I know that I know that I know. I got all that. But it's a battle that rages on inside of me, but I still strive. I want to drive a nice car. You should have seen what a, 
what my dad had, okay? You should have seen where I grew up. That's why. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. But see, that isn't a bad thing, but I had to come to grips, and we have to come to grips with more is not better. So we are constantly blitzed with countless reminders that having more means being more important, being more attractive, being more valuable, and being more successful. Turn on the TV. Listen to it. Open the magazines. And pastors said it before. Self, glamour, GQ, Gentlemen's Quarterly. Okay, for those of you that don't know. I mean, but I can say handyman, cosmopolitan. I can just start listing all of those. And they, they just tell you in there. So we're constantly bombarded with that. Luke 12, 15 says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. possesseth. So it's not what you possess. Okay? It's not what you possess. It's not in the abundance of things. And look, if we're all honest, we all like toys. We all like toys. And God will be the one that puts things in perspective with you on what you can and can't have. And I've heard Bruce say it. Oh, yeah, you, got, you were blessed, but then you have a payment book this thick. Okay, is that a blessing or is that what you wanted? A blessing would be you got it and it was given to you. And I actually read a story where a gentleman told the pastor, Pastor, come look out here. And he sees that. So it's a van. And he said, new van. He said, new van? He said, yeah. Free. Someone give it to me. Someone bless me. That's a blessing, amen? That didn't come with a payment book. So, as we're going through this, remember that life doesn't consist, doesn't consist in the abundance of the things that you have. A person's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. That's not where you really are going to find fulfillment and happiness. A lot of people think that. If I can just have this, I'll be happy. If I can just have this, my life will be fulfilled. If I can go here, I'll be happy. If I can move there, I'll be happy. If I can just have this house, I'll be happy. It never happens. There's only one that will fulfill and make you happy. And that's Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 6, 6, and 7 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. And you know, one of the things that I left out was like the pastor's message this morning. Because I remember him using the example of the rings that were on someone's body at a funeral. And there is truth in that, okay? Um, as far as people taking the jewelry. There's stories of people digging the people up and taking the jewelry. So, but then there are those stories of the people wanting it all inside them because they're going to try to take it with them, which we know 
That's what they tried to do in ancient days. Take it with them. It's still there. We found it. It's archaeological finds now, correct? <laughs> Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's evident in our society today and the church that we have left or lost the simplicity of life. We've, we've left it. We've lost it. When you buy an old, old, old house and you go into the bedroom and you find this little closet, you open it up and there's a little closet there. And there's a bathroom. One And it might be a three-bedroom home. That's the way we lived. Not us. I didn't live like that. We didn't have closets. I'm no lie. But that's the way people live, okay? Back then. Oh, not now. We have walk-in closets. We could drive a car into our closets. We don't have one bathroom. We have three or four. Not us, but people. We don't have a suit. We have a line of suits. We don't have a pair of shoes. We have 400 pairs of shoes. Am I right? The days when, that's why the closets were so small. Now if you wear a pair of jeans and you put them on the next day and you wear them a third day, the, the students have names for those people. I'm not going to share that, okay? They have names. It's like, what? When we grew up, we didn't have a shower. We had a bath. Look, there's four boys and my sister. And Gross you out, gross you out. We shared the bath water until I got to a certain age. I said, uh-uh, this isn't happening. You shared the bath water. And maybe anybody? Yeah, possibly. I was so glad when we got a shower. Wow. Okay, so it's evident in our society today in the church, in the church, now when I say the church, I'm not just talking, I'm talking to the church, that we've left the simplicity of life. Look, we have, even to the point, I know how careful the pastor was when planning things out, not to be too extravagant, not to do this, not to do that. And we know that there's many, many mega churches that go to the extremes and then they're found out or they're written about or they're on TV. So that's why I'm saying the church and the people that make up the church, they've left the simplicity, which is Jesus. It's Christ Jesus, amen? That's who makes the difference. That's what shapes our life. Living our faith in Christ is the simplicity of life. Living our life 
in Christ. Not in what we think about Christ. Not what others say about Christ. But what the Word of God says about Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm passionate about this because it's truth. Pastor talked about truth this morning. And what happened was I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has stamped and approved this message just from things that's happened in my life and the lives of others around me and Brian. And Brian says to me, I think it was last week or the week before, he asked me two simple questions and I just inside was laughing because part of it's in my message. He had no clue. I let on like, nah, not going to talk about it. So I know that God is in this. So how about this tagline? See if it's up there. New and improved. I don't know about you guys, but everything out there is new and improved. New and improved. How about the new and improved Jesus? What do you think? Seriously, how's it working for us? No, I'm serious. How's it working for us? How's the new and improved? I don't know how you feel about new and improved. You ever ate a new and improved Reese cup? It's about this big now. Seriously. What else is new and improved? Think about, you know what I did? I Googled new and improved. They have new and improved everything, okay? And they're making fun of the new and improved. Imagine that. I don't know how you feel about new and improved, but normally when it's new and improved, I hate it. I dislike it. I despise it. Somebody want to tell me why? That's the education coming out of me. You know why? Because it was probably better before they messed with it. Amen? How about the tagline, new and improved? Ever notice most of the time new and improved means it's messed up, jacked up, and never will be the same again. It's like, you know what? I just want the old one back. Please, give me the old one. I'm leading into something. Because see, Brian asked me a question the other day. So, I'm paralleling this with the church, with Jesus Christ. Seriously, how's it working for us? How's this new Jesus working? It's not. How's these churches working? They're not. There's no change life. There's no new person, no new creation. There's no light. They don't have the word inside of them. Remember a minute ago, I, I mentioned, I want the old one back. Why? Why would we want the old one back? Because it worked better. Or it tasted better. Or there was nothing wrong with it before they messed with it. The gospel tasted better back then. Back when? The old past. The gospel that we're giving people now 
It's messed up. It's jacked up. It doesn't taste good. It gives them indigestion. It makes them delirious. They don't know where they're going. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Ask for the old past. Where is the good way? It is the good way. Being the servant of Jesus Christ, notice the word servant, is to walk in those ways. I'm going to tell you that new and improved Jesus, that new and improved gospel, that new and improved church, they don't even know about this scripture. How are we walking? What are we reading? How are we praying? I'm going to tell you something. They better not give me a microwave a microphone at Mideast and ask me to give an invocation. Okay? Because I'm not going to give an invocation. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to pray to Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. You know, when I teach, and I'm going to be honest with you, yes, I mess up, okay? Again, I'll t- just like I tell my administrators, yeah, well, deal with these guys, deal with these students all day long, five days a week, nine months out of the year, okay? But at the same time, when I'm teaching, like the other day I was teaching in my related class, and I I remember uh, saying to them, because I, I do, I'm a crazy teacher, meaning I try to do things that impacts their life, and so they'll never forget. You know, I'll stick a comb in my mouth. I stick cholesterol in my mouth, which is animal fat that we use for conditioner. I do just stupid things, but I said, um, I was in related, and I just said, no turning back, no turning back, no turning back. And they're just looking at me. And I said, the cross before me, the world behind me. They're still looking at me. I said, Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Oh, well, I got something in. And there is a young lady, a little later, comes up to me. She tells me, where she goes to church, and she's singing. And so we made a little connection. So I'm hoping that her life will shut out, shake out on some of their lives. I'm hoping that my life, not hoping, I'm praying that my life will shake out on their lives. Scripture states that there's nothing new under the sun. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, the thing, that, the thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. So this new and improved, it's not new and improved. And we have a saying here at New Hope, Right? Pastor says it all the time. If it's new, it's not, 
And if it's true, it's not new. Again, how's that new Jesus working for the world? It's not. So, new and improved doesn't cut, cut it for living our faith in Christ. That simplicity of life. I don't know about you, but don't you want that simplicity in life? The simplicity in life. When I'm teaching, and I'm teaching facials, as I start talking like this, because, you know, what you want to do is put them in a new world. You just want them to forget everything stress-wise, or even when you're shampooing. Instead of me talking like this, it's the same way. It's the same way. There's nothing new under the sun. That new and improved, not working. We want simplicity of life. And it's only found in Jesus Christ. Only. Only found in Jesus Christ. Many of us approach our life on earth the same way um, of the label or the little tag, new and improved. Many of us, we're out there having a good time. We think about and consider how much better it'll be if we just alter or change this a little bit. Change, we're just gonna change the rule here, just a little bit. Then we end up coming over here and we, we make our own rules. We make our own rules. And I'm talking the church, okay? I'm talking the church. We just make our own rules over here. Then we start living by not his standards, but our standards. There's, there's a joke in our house. It's like, oh, is he your standard? <laughs> Meaning... Him, pastor, it's not, I mean, what happens is he can't be my standard. He can be the example. He can be the one who imitates who we know is the example, the ultimate example, and then we can follow. I can't be to anyone. Your spouse can't be to anyone. Amen? It has to be Jesus Christ. It's great to have a pastor that loves God, that's called by God, that we know that we can count on. But he'll tell you, guess what? I'm a human. So we live our life by our own standards. The first few spins or the first few years, it's fun. It's a good time. Everybody's having fun. And then in the end, when it all matters, and the costs are weighed, the new and improved, those rules, they weren't all that great. We come away with a lot less. At what expense? Here's the expense. Families. How you living at home? 
How are you treating your wife? How are you treating your husband? How are you treating your children? How are you treating your extended family? Your job. What's your coworkers think of you? What happens when the word says, Christian? Who, them? They what? They sing. They, they go to church. Your health. I think it was Bruce was preaching and he was talking one night, talking about Christians being some of the nicest looking people out there. I think what he was meaning is, when you are in Christ, you age differently. You age differently because of the simplicity that is found in Christ Jesus. Because of the simple life that you get to live. Notice I said that you get to live. It's easy. Christ and God, they make it easy for us. They really, really do. And then life in general. I look at the lives of like my siblings and just want to go like this. And in privacy of my own home or at my own, my own times, I weep. I cry. See, I love them. You have brothers and sisters? Blood? They're my brothers and sisters. I grew up with them. I sat on the couch with them. We ate together all those years. We lived in the same compact, tight house all those years. But all kidding aside, there's times pastors said, hey, are you sure? Did you, did you come from it? Are you? And probably the same for some of you. Are you sure? Are you from that family? And you know what you get to say? God. God had a plan. God made the difference. Christ made the difference. And then I can say, well, you know, I think about one of my brothers and the problem is, see, he's always tried that new thing. It's, I'm going to change, I'm going to alter the rules. I don't want to do this. I don't want to look at him and say, how's that working for you? I, I, I don't want to do that. But I can see how it's working for him. When we, in, in reality, these new and improved rules are, are, are standards, the way we see it, all equal to this other word that Brian asked me about, all equal to compromise. It's all about compromising. That's what it's about. Everything that I just talked about, it's all about compromising. When we create our own standards, our own rules, what we think, and when I say we, now I'm going to lay it out and say the church. The church that's out there right now. The many different types of churches that are out there right now. 
When we compromise the word of God and the standards he has set, we complicate things. We complicate our life. We complicate the life of others out there. They don't even know what truth is. Pastor said truth has fallen in the streets, which is scripture. And it has. We are to be the beacons of truth. Amen? Ephesians 5.8 For you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Because see, you were formerly darkness. This is speaking of a life without Christ. If you're in Christ, you're not to be walking in darkness. Remember, there was a time when each one here was without Christ. And possibly some of you tonight are here without Christ. I can't just say because you're here that you're in Christ. Or that you're in the light. It's important for us to remember and appreciate God's grace. God's divine ability to move upon a man's heart. And he still is in the business of doing that, amen? The Bible explains this life to us in Romans 121. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, the question that is asked sometimes, who are they speaking to in Romans? Who? Christians in Rome. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They knew who God was, number one. Number two, they didn't want to worship him. They didn't want to lift him up. They didn't want to make him master of their life. They thought up foolish ideas about him, what will take place. They created their own rules. They changed them a bit. And then their minds were dark and they were confused. Do we think some of the churches out there today are confused? Some of the Christians that are called Christians today are confused? Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers from the covenants of promise. Having zero, nada, no hope whatsoever and without God in the world. So strangers of the promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Titus 3.3 says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, 
serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Wow. Almost sounds like the church, amen? Paul serves as our example to keep in mind what life was like without Christ. What was life like without Christ? Do you ponder that question? What was my life like without Christ? Where would our life be today without Christ in it? Or for the time period that Christ was not in our life, what turn did our life take? We all have been foolish and disobedient. We all have misled others by our walk, by our conduct, by our conversation. We all were slaves to our wicked desires. Pastor said it today. There's no good in us. Our heart is desperately, desperately wicked. Desperately wicked. Many say life is just too complicated. Many people say that. You ever heard that? Life is just too complicated. It's true to some degree. When we focus on the temporal, the here and now, and by our rules, the, are we ready? The new and improved. Life is too complicated then. Because see, it's, Again, it's our rules, our standards, the way we see it, the way we've made it out to be, or the way they've made it out to be, or the new improved. And I don't even want to go into all the new and improved churches that are out there and doctrines. Scripture calls them doctrines of, say it, D word, devils. Doctrines of devils. Doctrines of demons and devils. Reality is, with Christ and a godly focus, life is simple. It's simplicity of life. It is a simplicity of life. You will find that the rules of life are not that bad when you walk in the old paths. You'll be amazed at how easy it is you will find that in the end, the reward is greater, excuse me, greater than any reward that you could ever receive. Through healthy relationships, meaningful pursuits, you won't have to be pursuing happiness. Happiness happiness will be in you. The Word of God tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. God in you, joy is in you. A lasting heritage, generation to generation to generation. Pastor even said it. He said it this morning and he said, when Ruth and I are gone, well, he can look out and he can see his children and grandchildren. And someday the grandchildren will have children. 
And we're talking about a lineage. We're talking about a heritage. We're talking about a legacy. Let's talk about the simplicity of life. You either have Christ or you don't have Christ. It's not enough to know him or think you know him or know about him. It's vital that you accept him. If you are here tonight and you do not know him, it's vital. You know, when you go to the hospital, they check your vitals. That's about life. You understand that if you do not have Christ in your heart tonight, that it's vital to your life. It's not knowing about, too many people know about him. You have to have him. If you don't have him, you're in darkness. You are confused about reality. Reality of the blessings upon the earth and the reality of eternal life in heaven. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life on this earth. John 8, 12 says, Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. Do you understand that if you have Christ inside of you, you have light? Now, in that video, that movie that we went to see, and one of the, one of the, um, the points that was being made when a gentleman was talking was talking about the candle. And one candle was lit, and then another, and then another, and another. And we've done that in here. And then all of a sudden, the darkness was no longer dark, but it was light. It's supposed to be the same way in our lives. When we touch people, when we see people, when we work with people, when we're around people. The candle is supposed to touch their life. It's supposed to light them. He who follows Christ shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 12, 46 says, I am come to come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Jesus again is saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me shall not walk in darkness. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, And you have he and you had the quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Where in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, the spirit that now worketh in children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Are you here tonight and you don't know him as your personal savior? It's saying that once you were doomed because of your sin. 
You lived like the rest of the world lived. You obeyed Satan rather than God. You might say, no, 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 no. I would never do that. Yes, if you're not obeying God, you're obeying Satan. Reality, when you reject God, you choose Satan. I would never reject God. To not to decide tonight to follow God is, is rejecting him. God is rich in his mercy and he loves each one of us. While we were yet doomed, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. What is being said? Notice the simplicity of Christ Jesus. Enemy of God or friend of God? Are you lost or are you found? Are you blind or do you see? Are you awaiting punishment? Or are you forgiven all your trespasses? Are you in darkness? Or are you in light? If you don't have Christ, you're in darkness. If you have Christ, you're in the light. That's the simplicity of Christ Jesus. That's the simplicity of the gospel. So walk as children of light. Your actions should reflect your faith. You should live above reproach. Your life should reflect God's goodness to others. You should live your faith daily. We should imitate Christ daily. The Word of God simply says that we're to die to ourselves. We should imitate his love for others. My last and final scripture, as you ponder. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. If you are in Christ. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Are you set on a hill? Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto, the, unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So as they play something and the lights go down, I'm gonna end it with this. So when we walk in the simplicity of Christ Jesus, when we walk as children of the light, giving of oneself, we are really giving Christ Jesus. We're giving the good news. We're not giving something new and improved. We're giving the old paths. We're giving an imitation of Christ. When I say an imitation, we're to imitate. We know the real, which is Christ Jesus. But what happens, everything we do, we move, we say, 
is to be Christ-like. So as the music plays and we close, I really want you to think about the simplicity that brings freedom because Jesus did say, he who the Son sets free, S-O-N, is free indeed. And when you're free from the bondage of sin, when you're free, you're in the light and you have something to give those that are without. And as that movie played, I couldn't help but seeing all the people's lives that were changed. We can make that happen here. It's a decision that we need to make. Amen.